The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. A lot has changed in the past three years about how we connect with each other, how we relate to each other, how we deal with problems with each other, how, especially how young people interact with each other. And so let me deal with a topic today that I think, you know, you might want to just kind of put your feet a little bit further under your seats because I don't want to, like I might step on your toes a little bit, but I think we're all going to quickly relate to this. Have you ever had a moment where you felt like you were being blamed for something that you didn't do? And I was thinking if the kids are going to be in here, I was going to be like, have you ever gotten blamed for like something your, one of your brothers or sisters did? Or you were expected to clean up a mess you didn't make. Really? None of you can relate to that? Okay. If you were being blamed for doing something you didn't do, that means somebody did it and they didn't get blamed for it. And if you're being expected to clean up a mess somebody else made, then that means somebody else made a mess and they didn't clean it up. Now, this happens pretty regularly in my home. In fact, I have a few bad dad moments when I disciplined the wrong child for doing something that I was certain he did. And I went after him because he acted guilty. I don't know why all three of my boys act guilty when somebody else did something wrong in the house. And so it's really easy to think that the other one did the wrong thing. And so I come after them and I'm ready to discipline them. They're like, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. I'm like, you always say that. You're getting it, you know? And, um, and, and then the other one, now on occasion, I've had an honest one go, daddy, it was me. And I'm like, oh. And then I've had times where I've disciplined the wrong one and then I find out that it was somebody else and I just feel horrible and I have to hug them and I'm, I'm sorry, honey, daddy doesn't always get it right, but I always make it right. If you guys remember from a couple weeks ago, that was the sermon I did. And then um, I've, I've had times when the boys, I, I've told you guys a story before about like my living room is just a, a constant whirlwind of mess and they just tear all the pillows off the couches. And so I'll come home and I'll be like, that's it. And I'm like, Daniel, Matthew, Caleb, get in there and clean up the living room. It looks like a mess. What are you guys doing, right? And like Daniel and Matthew just came home from school. Like they didn't make the mess, you know, but like Caleb, he's only three. So you can't like... He, he takes so long to clean it up that I just get mad at all of them. Be like, you're all cleaning it up. You all made the mess. Stick and clean it up, you know? And then like, and they're like, I didn't do it. I don't have to clean it up. Okay, you kind of like, we live in a culture where there's a lot of messes. And the people who make the mess don't always clean up the mess. And then other people feel guilty, so they clean up the mess. And other people take responsibility for messes they didn't make. And if you ever think about a yard, now, I have a backyard. I'm super grateful because for many years, we lived in a townhouse and we didn't have a very big yard. I mean, we had a postage stamp size yard and now, thank goodness, because the boys, they need a place to run and play. We got a nice fenced in backyard and that's great until one of the boards breaks off and the neighbor's dog comes in and then leaves deposits all over my yard. True story, good relationship with the neighbor, at least I did. Um, <laughs> And so the question is like, whose mess is that? It's in my yard, but I didn't make the mess. It was my dog's, it was my dog. Somebody else's mess and they need to come in my yard and they need to clean it up. I should stop while I'm ahead. <laughs> then a big tree 
that I have in my backyard during one of the windstorms, a massive limb, I'm talking huge, fell off of my, got ripped off the tree, smashed through my fence, and landed almost entirely in their yard. Good thing I wasn't rude about the dog deposits. <laughs> but here's the deal, right? Who cleans up the dog mess? Who fixes the fence and who cleans up the tree in their yard? Those are the challenges we live with, right, every day. Maybe, maybe somebody is leaving emotional deposits in the yard of your heart. You didn't put it there, but it's your mess to clean up now. They're putting thoughts in your mind. They're making messes in your finances. On the flip side, maybe some massive limbs off the tree of your life have crashed the fence because of storms that inevitably come and have left disaster level debris in someone else's yard. So who's responsible? Who's responsible to clean up the dog mess? Who's responsible to get the chainsaws and clean up the tree? You with me? Y'all can start, can you feel it a little bit? Like, I'm, what am I responsible for and what am I not? The good thing about fences in a neighborhood is they distinguish what is my property and what is not my property. What is my responsibility and what is not my responsibility. And some of y'all, you've built Alcatraz size fences to make it abundantly clear that you don't want anybody in your yard. You're gonna keep everybody out. But you know, healthy neighborhoods have gates in the fences so that we can distinguish when people appropriately come and go through the fence, when you're invited in and when it's time to leave. And so how healthy are the fences in your life? Some of you, you have no fences. People are running through the yard of your life, leaving messes and debris, and you're constantly frustrated. Go, why does everybody keep running through my life? Why do I keep having to clean up after everyone? And then others of you, you've got those Alcatraz-sized fences, and no one can get in and no one can get out. And you wonder, why am I always alone and isolated and afraid? Others of you, your gates are there, but they're broken or locked. Jesus, interestingly, had something to say. I'm sorry, I, I was gonna say Jesus. He did have something to say about this, but I'm not gonna read from uh, the words of Jesus. I'm gonna read from a letter to the church in Galatia where the apostle Paul is writing about this idea. And he sets it up, focused first on our need to help others. So we're gonna look at Galatians chapter six, starting in verse two, where he simply writes this, carry each other's burdens. If I were to change that wording out, I would say, help get, it, you know, get a chainsaw and help cut up the massive tree that has fallen in your neighbor's yard. Carry each other's burdens. For in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Well, what is the law of Christ? Whether you know it or not, the law of Christ is very clear. Jesus is being asked, by religious lawyers, what are the greatest, most important laws in all of the Bible? If you were to summarize the Old Testament, right, which is a lot of law, if you were to take the most important laws of the Old Testament and you could capture them in a few statements, what would they be? And Jesus said this, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and this is the greatest commandment. And then he goes, and the second is like it, love your neighbor 
as yourself. Now, Jesus was quoting from, in both of those, he was quoting from the Shema, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he was quoting from Leviticus, interestingly, when it says, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he makes this statement, all of the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. That is the law of Christ. And actually, I did an entire message on that during this series, just simply love God, love people. If God matters, then people matter. That's the law of Christ. And so because we believe that God matters, therefore people matter, if we love God, we will love people, then what does that look like when it comes to messes in our yard and in other people's yards? Because suddenly love gets mucky. Love gets messy when your dog leaves a deposit in my yard or my tree crashes over the fence and leaves a massive debris pile in your yard, right? Suddenly like loving God and loving people gets really confusing. How, does this, how is this lived out in real life? And that's what I wanna take a moment and talk about today because you and I, we live in the real world where love isn't always really clear and easy to distinguish. And so the apostle Paul continues in his letter and he says this, starting in verse, or continuing in verse three. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves. Now he's not saying like arrogance. He's saying like when you look at your yard, you can feel good about it. They could take pride in themselves without comparing themselves to someone else. And so there's this important distinction he makes. He goes, Here, here's the challenge. Here's where we get ourselves into trouble. You want, to know what, you want to know how you get yourself into trouble when it comes to boundaries and fences? He goes, when you start comparing your yard with your neighbor's yard, you start comparing your life with, your neighbor, with other people's lives, one of two things begins to happen. You either kick into pride or jealousy. You look at your yard and go, my yard is so much better than their yard. They better keep all of their mess out of my yard. Right, and you start to, this pride steps in, and, and pride has two extremes when it comes to how we relate to others. We think so much of ourselves that we take responsibility for other people's yards. We start going, you know, I did such a good job with my yard, I'm gonna start cleaning up their yard, I'm gonna make their yard look as good as my yard, so I don't have to look, live next door to a mess. Or pride says, I'm so important, I don't have to deal with anybody else and they put a giant wall up. Then the other extreme is jealousy. I want what they have. And so jealousy does the same thing, it has these two extremes. Because I want what they have, they should, they should take all the work that they've been putting into their yard and clean up my yard. Or jealousy says, man, they've got that big problem in their life, but I have bigger problems and they don't help anybody out. That's what jealousy does. And so when, we, when Paul is challenging us not to compare ourselves with others, he lands with this important metaphor. It's like this, do not be deceived. This is Galatians chapter six, verse seven. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So he's talking this idea of the law of love. He goes, let me give you a cautionary warning. You reap what you sow. When their dog gets in your yard and you throw a fit and act like a maniac, you're gonna reap what you sow. Because the next time your giant tree comes through their yard, they're coming after you. 
you reap what you sow. You sow good things, you reap good things. So it's a warning about handle this carefully. Use wisdom here because you will get back whatever you sow, right? If you, you throw your, your yards full of weeds, man, you're getting weeds back. You, you, you do good things to the people around you and good things are coming home. There's a key important lesson here and I wanna just give it to you and then I'm gonna unpack this in a few critical areas of our life. The, the lesson is this, right? Take healthy responsibility. Now I could just stop there and all of you would go, yeah, man, we, we live in a world where each of us needs to learn to take healthy responsibility, don't we? So what does it mean to take healthy responsibility? Well, that's what I'm gonna talk about the rest of the time. But here's an important thought. The apostle Paul says, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. What a man sows, he reaps. And you know what you and I have done? We've sowed some things into our own yard that have, produced, that have grown up and produced some bad fruit. In, in that explanation, the Apostle Paul continues. He says, whoever sows to please their flesh, mean their own wrong desires, from the flesh reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, referring to the good Spirit of God in us, whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit reaps eternal life. And so he gives this contrast of two extremes. The reality is that every single one of us have sown to the flesh, meaning every one of us have an, uh, were born with a root system in us called sin. It's a spiritual sabotaging root system that as it begins to produce shoots that grow up, the fruit that comes off of that root system is nothing but bad. It, it drives desires in us that want to do the wrong thing. It drives uh, urges in us toward wrong things. Sin separates us from relationship with God and leads to a forever far from God, but God. God did not come along and say, okay, you need to work really hard to sow from the spirit good things. God did something you and I could never do on our own. God stepped in and became one of us. Jesus took on the judgment, the consequence of all of our sin. He, through his death, he cut down and severed the root system of sin in every single one of our hearts, those of us who believe in him by faith. When you believe in Jesus, what, he, what that faith does is it invites the chainsaw of the cross to sever sin from your life so that you are no longer driven by sin, so that the root system of sin is not constantly producing the fruit of sin in your hearts. That can only happen by faith, believing that Jesus died on a cross once for all to forgive us of sin and remove us from that eternal judgment. But he also did something better. He didn't just uproot the, the system of sin he planted in us the root system of the Spirit. And every one of you who believe in Jesus by faith, the seed of the Spirit is planted. Now, your responsibility is to cultivate the Spirit. Because even though he cut the root system, the tree of sin is still there, and it's still got some fruit hanging on it. 
And so you can choose to let the fruit fall and grow again from sin, or you can cultivate the spirit of God so that what grows in you is God's goodness, so that the fruit of God is what comes out of you. Now, let me pause here and give a timeout. Before I talk about how to take healthy responsibility, let me just say, you and I can't do this on our own. We need the system, the, the root system of God's spirit in us for this to be possible. So, you're here right now, and as I'm talking about being cut off from the bad and having the planting of God's goodness in you, you recognize, I need that. Can I encourage you right now, if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've done church, you've done religion, maybe you've even said prayers before, but you've never said, God, I need the root system of sin, the bad in my life, uprooted and replaced by forgiveness and your spirit. And you're ready to say yes to Jesus right now. Could I encourage you? Would you pause right now, take a moment and just say yes to Jesus by faith. And if that's where you're at, would you let us know? On the screen, you'll see a QR code. You can just pull out your smartphone. Anybody who sees you pulling it out, trust me, they're not gonna be pointing fingers. They're gonna be cheering for you, all right? That's how we feel. If you're online with us, the QR code's gonna come up. You can go ahead and you can, uh, uh, there might be a link there. You can click that. And we, what we want you to do is fill out the form. One of our pastors will follow up with you and encourage you as you begin this new journey in relationship with God. As you begin this new journey in relationship with God, where God's spirit begins to grow in you, he's gonna begin to change you. He's gonna to begin to change how you take responsibility. In fact, that's the, that's the key next application point is this. I want all of you, you're, I'm gonna have you say this with me, but let me make, it, make the statement first. I am responsible to change. Another way I could say is, I am responsible to change me. Some of you, as I'm, as I'm going through this message and as I go through the rest of it, you're gonna think, I know who needs to hear this message. And you're going to think of somebody that you need to, maybe you're going to say, I need to send the YouTube link. And by all means, go ahead, send it. Or I need to send the, the Facebook uh, feed of this service so they can watch this. Great. But if, <laughs> if you think that your job is to change someone else, you missed the whole point. <laughs> I am responsible to change me. And I'm the only person I can change. So I want you to say this with me. I am responsible, responsible. to change. That's it. You're responsible to change. No one else is responsible to change you. No one can change you. In fact, some of you pride yourself in being so stubborn that no matter what anybody else does, you're not changing. You're responsible to change you. Now, let me clarify, because that sounds like kind of moral determinism. You, you know as well as I do that you can't, you can't really change you, can you? You can't uproot the, the sin system in your life. You can't uproot all that stuff that's been down deep. No, but what you need is God in you to change you. And so what you and I do is we yield to God. But only I am responsible to yield to God in my life. Husbands, you are not responsible to change your wife. Wives, you are not responsible to change your husbands. Some of you are nudging each other right now. You can't change your boss, your employees. I am responsible for me. Some of you, the most important step you could take today is to take responsibility for yourself. 
And any change that is going to happen in your life is going to happen because you took responsibility for it. I am responsible for me. Now, as you begin to take responsibility for yourself and your yard, you know what God wants to plant in your yard? The Apostle Paul writes it this way as he ends this passage on responsibility. Verse 10, he says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. He goes, what should begin to grow in you and out of you is good. Good things should grow in you. Good things should grow out of you. If you take responsibility for yourself and you begin to yield to God, which means you're making a commitment to do it differently. Hey, if the way you've been living has been working, great. There's harmony in your home, harmony in your relationship with your kids, harmony at work, harmony in your neighborhood. Keep doing what you're doing. But if, it, if you can look around and diagnose some things and say, hey, this hasn't been going so well, it's time to do things differently, which means I'm responsible to change. And the change that God wants to bring about in me is to bring his, plant good in me so that good grows out of me. Now, he continues. Let me go back to the passage because this is what I want to unpack for a moment here. Verse four and five. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves. Remember, it's kind of like looking at your yard and going, hey, I did a good job. I've taken good care of my property without comparing themselves with someone else. For each one should carry their own load. You know what he's saying? He's saying each of you are responsible to take care of your own yard. And if, you're, if your yard's a mess, only you can change it. It's not the neighbor's responsibility to come in your yard and, t- and till it and tend it and plant new grass in it. I am responsible to change and I am responsible to carry my load. There you go, that's the key point. I am responsible to carry my load. And so what is my load? Because that could have a different meaning depending on what culture or environment you're in. In this context, it basically means if you are going out for a, a, a hike, Imagine you were going for a long, full day hike. Not going backpacking overnight just for one day, but you're gonna go a long way. So you need food, you need water, maybe you need a change of clothes if, it, if you get rained on. You need some gear. The backpack that you carry is your load. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is each one of you are responsible to carry your own load. It's not healthy. If some of you are carrying your load, and to other people's backpacks while they walk easily. Now you're going up the mountain and they're like, with no problem because they don't have a load on and you're burdened down because you're trying to carry your load and everyone else's load. Ah, you catch it? What am I responsible for? I am responsible to carry my load. You are responsible to carry your load. And the idea here is what is necessary to carry with you each day? day? What do I have to carry? What am I responsible to carry every day? So I'm going to give you a couple quick things. I am responsible for my emotions and my passions. What you carry with you every day is your emotions and your passions. You can say, I am responsible for my emotions. Your feelings are not facts. So you are responsible to properly understand your emotions, take responsibility for your emotions, but make sure that when you interpret your emotions, you don't weaponize them against others. 
Your emotions are your problem and no one else's. I told you, told you some of you were gonna kind of pull back and be like, that's right. Whether you're mad or happy or sad or angry, it's not my, I mean, not that it's not my problem because you can make it my problem, right? But it's your responsibility. You are responsible for your emotions. I kind of want to put a little note in there of like, so grow up, but I don't want to say that. (laughs) I'd say it at home. Here's the deal. Some of us have a tendency to blame others for our emotions. You make me so mad when, no, Mm -mm. and more appropriate way of saying it would be, I choose to get mad when you, or I feel mad when you, Right, so at least acknowledge that you are responsible for your own emotions and understand that your feelings are not facts, so don't constantly interpret whatever you're feeling as something absolute. Now, that doesn't mean you ignore it. Some of you, on the other hand, you swing the pendulum over and you go, it doesn't matter what I'm feeling, I choose to ignore it. No, don't ignore it and repress it because it will probably explode at some point and come out of you in an unhealthy way. So you have to understand your emotions by saying, what do they mean? A way to understand this is your emotions are the language of your heart, but your heart can't speak, so it speaks through emotion. So when you're interpreting your emotions, simply say, what is my heart saying? And then understand it and act appropriately. The second part of that is I am responsible for my passions, my urges, my desires, my impulses. I am responsible for my passions. Don't let your passions drive you. Let interpret your passions appropriately. Make sure that they are God-honoring and then you lead them. Do not become a pawn to your passions. I and I alone am responsible for my passions. That's my load to carry. Another area would be I am responsible for my well-being. Wanna say this with me? I am responsible for my well-being. That was not very enthusiastic. (laughs) Let me give you a list. I am responsible for my physical well-being. I'm responsible for my emotional, my mental well-being. I am responsible for my sexual well-being. I am responsible for my spiritual well-being. That's right. Lifehouse Church is not responsible for your spiritual well-being. Now, will we provide care? Will we provide support? Will we help nurture? Absolutely. Others come alongside of you and encourage you and cheer you on and support you in your physical goals. Others come alongside and they're, they're gonna provide counseling or mentoring or coaching in your mental goals or your emotional goals or your relationship goals, right? But everybody else is only providing support to what only you can change. I and I alone am responsible for my well-being. I am responsible for my decision-making. Part of my well-being is that are the decisions that I make. You and you alone are responsible for the decisions you make, what you say yes to and what you say no to. And some of you, you feel manipulated and pressured to say yes to things that you should be saying no to because you're making other people's yards your responsibility. And it's time for you to learn how to say no appropriately to other people's loads. That's your load. That's your problem not mine. Some of you, because of jealousy or pride, you're saying no to things that you should be saying yes to. 
You're saying no to your own responsibilities, to your own messes. Here's the thing. Some of you are scared to say yes. I mean, you're scared to say no because you're afraid people are gonna reject you or hurt you or not like you because you said no to them. Some of you have a real hard time being assertive. So let me coach you and encourage you. People actually will respect you more when you learn to say no, because it demonstrates that you don't take yourself so seriously that you believe you're the answer to everybody's problem. And you're not somebody to be walked all over. You can respect people like that. So learn to say no when it's not your load to carry or you are at the max of what you could take responsibility for. Now, let me flip gears here just for a moment, because if I miss this, you're all gonna walk out and just be like, no to everything. And you're gonna think that's the point. He says this, right? Carry each other's, uh, carry your own load. And then he continues and says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ, right? That was uh, verse two. And then he goes, how do you fulfill the law of Christ? Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all the people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. What is he getting at? I am responsible to help bear the burdens of others. There are times when it's not just a dog's deposit in my yard that could frankly be easily cleaned up by other, but if it's your dog, you should clean it up, right? But if it's in my yard and I don't wanna waste their time, I can quickly clean it up. If it keeps happening, I'm probably gonna say something, right? Those are like healthy boundary issues. But when the big tree crashes through my fence and into their yard, it's not their responsibility, and it certainly is my responsibility, but boy, you know what? Sometimes it helps if you get some help. I mean, I couldn't just physically go over there, pick up the whole thing, and drag it out. So I have pictures of my neighbors helping clean it up, and there's pictures of me and the boys cleaning it up. We worked together, even though it was my tree in their yard. I repaired the fence. There, the, the verse here is burden. It means boulder. It means an unreasonable amount of weight that no one can carry on their own. Anybody looking at that gigantic tree limb could say, no one can, no one can carry that on their own. We need help. And in, in your life, there will be situations when boulders fall on you. You need others to help lift the weight. Pride says, I got this on my own and I can't ask for help. And you don't ask anybody to help you when you got boulders laying on you. Jealousy sees somebody with a boulder in their life and refuses to help. Because you know, you got a pack on, you got to load your own, you're carrying. You go, not my responsibility, not my problem. Nobody's been helping me carry my load. Meanwhile, boulders go unhelped. You and I need to recognize the boulders in our life that we need to reach out and ask for help in. Hey, I'm carrying some emotional boulders that I can't carry anymore. I'm dealing with some life issues that are so traumatizing, I can't get through this season. If, if I don't ask for help, it's gonna destroy me. I'm gonna get suffocated under this weight. Meanwhile, there are others, there's people that God has put in your life who have boulder weights on them that need our compassion. They need our care. 
He says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. You're showing love when you lend your shoulder to lift the boulders off of other people's lives. That's love. Keep your eyes open. Look around for the impossible weights that are weighing others down and lean in and lift. Some of the strength that God has given you, he has given you to lend support and help. You could be a resource to others. As I was preparing this message and knowing we were doing Next Gen Weekend, I thought, certainly this is a message that young people need to listen to. But it's also a message that those of us who are parents and role models need to listen to. We need to model healthy responsibility. We need to teach the next generation to clean up their messes. But hey, when there's a mess that's unreasonably a boulder, don't you just sit and watch people try to clean up an impossible mess. You lend a helping hand. Show some love. How can we pray for you today? Some of you, these are important lessons straight from God's word about carrying your own load. And I spent the most of the time talking about I am responsible. I'm responsible for my own change. I am responsible to carry my load, to deal with my own emotions and passions, to take responsibility for my own well-being. And maybe you fit in that category of today as you reflect on how you need to change according to this message. It's an area of I need to take some responsibility for things in my life that I've been expecting others to take responsibility for or I've been neglecting. But I hope that all of you will also pause and reflect on the law of love and how you can take responsibility to lend your shoulder to lift some burdens in some other people's lives. To let love lift others around you. How can you leverage your strength to be a support and a help? So would you take a moment? I'm gonna pray over you. We have a prayer team available on either side of the platform here Online, we have a prayer team of people waiting to lift burdens. That's what prayer is. It's us together lifting burdens to God. Don't walk out of your heavy burden. Jesus said that he's gentle and tender. That you can, you can take his yoke on you, his, his weight, because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He doesn't want to weigh you down. So don't you leave here heavy burden. You come, you ask for prayer, or you can join us as we sing and let God lift you. Let me pray over you right now. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you loved us so much that you didn't leave us in a mess. You didn't leave a root system of sin devastating and destroying us, but God, you gave us access to forgiveness and new life through faith in Jesus. You planted your spirit in us so that the new root system growing in us is love. Now, God, in love, help us to take responsibility for the things that are ours. Help us also to take responsibility to lean and lift burdens in other people's lives. As a church, may we be burden lifters. As individual believers of Jesus, would we be burden lifters? generous and kind, compassionate, caring, servant-hearted and motivated by love. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.